Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves once more amid the well-fortified stacks of the library, Kay. Do you remember that last week I built a book fort as part of my policy of defending against the enemies of literacy and how you gave me some advice for what I should do next and I sort of kind of forgot about that. But Mm. So I've doubled down on the book fort. I'm sorry, like... It probably was great, great advice, and I was really excited about it at the time. But yeah. then I woke up the next day, and all I could think of was more fort. Yes, I so, see. You've t- started ripping the wood paneling off the walls and fusing that to fortify the outside of the uh, stacks with. Very good. Well, I thought that you'd appreciate that because mm. yes, there is some aesthetic deterioration to the environment, but I, it does I was protect. Say, essentially, what you're doing is like making the library smaller. Yes, but I told you about the the cool uh, Caesarian strategy yes, of I, I like got that. multiple yeah. sieges. Yes. Uh, enveloping each other so the library proper still has a, a very important function to play mm. once the the enemy hordes creatures like, right. do we have any clarity on what the enemies no. of literacy are yet no but okay but you are making it easier for them to get in in the first place yes. by tearing down the walls. Yes, yes, yes. That's that, that's that's part of the plan. Then oh, okay. we've got no, but Kay. Then we've got them exactly where we want them, which is surrounding us. That was the plan, right? Yes, that's right. Okay. So here, let me introduce this. Like as you can see, uh, the fort is now up to multiple levels. Yeah. Thanks to the wooden sideboarding and some of the floorboards and the wainscoting. I was wondering why it got drafty here. We've got staircases and we've got multiple floors. Yeah, we've also and got rising humidity, which is not good for books. Very sound. Well, that's. A engineering problem like what's the normal solution for for humidity air circulation okay so and you're saying control. cyclone that's well, what i'm hearing yes an industrial cyclone is what we need to build inside the library no i've written that down uh, so we'll we'll get uh, back to that next time i hope not it's i mean there's even odds i'll have forgotten next time right yes i'm this time i'm putting my full faith in that and my hopes and my fears okay. will hopefully be alleviated <laughs> We'll just see how things work out. But in the meantime, uh, if you'll join me up the up the stairs, oh, yes. uh, I would like to introduce you to some of the more offensive weaponry. Because, yes, oh, we summon the hordes in and then, yeah. they're, and then we've got them right where we want them. But then what do we do with them, right? Yes. Uh, okay, so I've raided the uh, book repair studio. Okay. And it turns out there was a lot of, like, glue fixings. Yes. And there was a lot of cardstock and Lewis, paper mache. Yeah, it's all fairly essential to repairing books and keeping them in optimal condition. So I'm thinking, instead of, like, uh, hot tar and feathers, yeah. glue and paper mache, and we can make people into, you know... Okay. Little... First you pour hot glue on them, and then you throw them a ticker tape parade so that they kind of, like, end up yeah. covered in little bits of paper. Yeah, and then they'll be, like, fluffy little bibendos. What's a bibendo? Oh, that's the mascot for Michelin's, the little Michelin man. Oh, okay. So I've, I've also started work on... Okay, I don't know exactly what a ballista is. I know it's got sort of an A-frame and a swingy bit, so I've sort of done my best. No. Not quite... No, not quite I there th- yet. I think you're thinking trebuchet. I thought that was a font. I mean, You've I, written ballista on the side, yes. but that, In trebuchet. Oh, well, Yeah, in the font yes. trebuchet. So, okay, I mean, but that's yes, close. I'm afraid that a rose by any other name still isn't a ballista or something. Well, okay, so what's a ballista supposed to do? It's, a ballista is like one of those uh, super huge crossbow things, basically. Uh, Oh, yeah, I'm not even close to that. No, 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 it's like... But what's a trebuchet, then? That's one of those uh, swingy arm things with a big counterweight. Well, I'm closer to that. Yeah. Now, can I sort so of got slide a, a So you've got a catapult, there? which works with uh, spring tension, and it throws things by that, and then a uh, trebuchet has a counterweight, and a ballista is a basically a huge crossbow. Okay, so what you're saying is fuse those three into one magnificent down-pointing superweapon. Got you. Down-pointing? Our enemies aren't going to come from above, Oh, I see what you mean. Like, shoot it down from the walls. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we have high ceilings. Uh, Me too. I had not 
I had not anticipated there would be that much space above us. Library is useful that way. I've never seemed to run out of space. It's very curious how, mm. how high up you can keep going. I thought I'd reached the limit when I was what we call a skywalker, when I made the right. network of ladders. Hey, there's well, a deep cut for the people who have been following us for a while. Yes. Along the roofs where I discovered, I think that's where I discovered the Velibraptors. Gosh, I do miss it. I think you originally devised the skyways as a means of escaping the Velibraptors mm. until you inadvertently taught them how to use them. And then we had like even more mobile Velibraptors. Yes, because they started learning to fly. Oh, but we haven't seen those in a while. We haven't seen them in ages. I went no. on a quest to find their, their hallowed breeding yeah, grounds. And none of that. I got distracted by engineering and politics and now also siege warfare. Mm. But uh, our very confused readers at home undoubtedly came here to, to marvel at today's book. So what do we have in store for our readers today? This week's book is by Keith Lomer. It's called Dinosaur Beach. Yes! And there's a lot going on on the there cover. There is a lot going on there. You can say that for sure. Uh, so if you look down at your podcasting device, you should, should be seeing the cover of today's book. And otherwise, you can check us out on Twitter at CoverMyAskCast, uh, on the web, CoverMyAskCast.com. This will be episode 80, Dinosaur Beach by Keith Lomer. And the cover is kind of bananas. It is. I mean, there's like a lizard-type thing, maybe a dragon on the front. Or and, maybe uh, a sculpture of a lizard yeah, thing. something like that. Someone with feminine curves uh, in, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the foreground. And a mysterious man in a top hat and a raincoat. And I think it's a rocket launcher that he's holding. Oh, yeah. Or it might be a AK-47. I'm not entirely sure. Bunch of uh, clocks and things. Huge and clocks. Is that a corpse? Yeah, well, well, it does look a, like a, a, body, a naked but it doesn't have to be a corpse. person, of which there are more naked people over on the right, the blue, sort of greenish oh, yeah, naked so people. Yeah, voluptuous and muscular. Yeah, all against a, a, a fiery yellow sky with more cogs and, and wheels in the distance. And a blue. Sort of There's a quote on the book. It says, unrivaled not only in its class, but in a class of itself, attributed to Gordon R. Dixon. That sounds familiar. Have we it done is. it? Well, no, but uh, there's an, actually another book by Keith Lomer. It's called Odyssey, and it has the exact same quote <laughs> by the exact same person on the cover. <laughs> also by Gordon R. Dixon, unrivaled not only in his class, but in class in itself. It's like, <laughs> but that's so, it's so, they're like damning with faint praise, isn't it? Yeah, but even then, it's like, why would you put the same quote by the same person on a different book because from I the same author? I guess it's the nicest thing they could say about it. Maybe Gordon Dixon just really didn't like Keith Lomer's writing, but he had to, to do a blurb. But why would they put? Why, why would the publisher put it on there? It's like, if you happen to pick up these two books by the same author, you look at them and they've got the same quote by the same guy on the front. Oh, wow. Oh. What are the sort of compliments that that grown-ups give children in their theatre performances? Like, you took the role and you made it your own. Oh, and did you like it? Did you like it? Well, I wouldn't say so if I didn't, would I? (laughs) But you didn't say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't share that opinion. Like, I thought it was a a pretty wild book in general. Oh, yeah. It opens with the main character of the book, a man by the name of Butch Logan, gets off the bus with his duffel bag and his surfboard bag and a... He looks around and... Do surfboards come in bags, traditionally? Sometimes for transportation. Really? You know, oh, it's okay. like, especially if you're like taking them on planes or buses, then it's nice to have like a, a protective bag to oh, keep Oh, okay, them so it's like a little raincoat for your surfboard. I suppose so, yeah. yeah that's, I mean, it makes sense, because like you put sex wax on them, so, you know. Yeah, I know about that. Yes. He's arrived at the bus stop of the uh, little uh, west coast town of Outsmouth. The, the west coast of... Coast of- what? I presume the United States. Oh, okay. That's it just seems like such a British name, but I guess Outsmouth. that's not unusual for uh, America. I mean, yes, the think, yeah. There's an Innsmouth on the uh, East Coast, so I guess there's an Outsmouth. <laughs> right, I'm just getting that now. 
yes that's right so having traveled i think that's where you originally traveled from it's one of those bus routes that goes coast to coast it, it could well be yes to yeah. okay. okay i mean we're done we've got the episode now don't we <laughs> from Innsmouth to outsmouth yes <laughs> so yeah like he's a young sort of an adventurous kind of chap he's, he's basically like a surf dude who yeah. wants to uh, and he's heard he's heard of this uh, uh, resort uh, near outsmouth where apparently the going's good, and there's like been like little rumors spreading in the community that that is the place to go. And uh, it's yeah, been... I love how that sort of goes by word of mouth, right? Yeah, I mean that's how surfers really do, I guess. I mean the, the good surf spots. I mean these days it's all about the internet, and it tells you where they are, and you know where the good surfing's good, and all the weather systems are so fantastic that you can pr- pretty much predict whenever there's going to be a good uh, surf conditions in particular locations. Yeah, but that's just science and yes. accurate reporting, man. That's not nearly as good as just vague rumors that you heard from from. No, actually. From this Your one nephew guy, Jeff the High. From this one guy that you met in South Africa on the exactly. beach there, which was yeah. he totally knows. Mm. But you only have to go in the second week of March because that's when the easterlies blow in on the northerlies. <laughs> yes, and when the and when the humping turtles stabilize the waves. Oh, that'll be yes. But not during mating season, because then you've got these speed bumps in the waves. So he's very excited at the prospect. He saved up his money from whatever uh, uh, summer job he held down as a surfer. Gets off the bus at Outsmith. I just keep saying it, and it delights me. And he's ready for the, the next leg of his journey to... Outsmith is the closest uh, bus stop to the resort. And uh, he makes his way over to the resort of Kahiko Kahakai. Now, does that, what, does that, what does that mean? Did I, you I looked out? it up. It means okay. ancient beach. Oh, okay. So I kind of like things that say what they are. Yeah, a bit weird. It must be a, a rename of a place because it was, uh, you know, it's on the East Coast. It's not like it's on the Hawaiian Islands or anything. So it's a bit weird to have a Hawaiian name. But I guess it's just one of those things like if we just make it sound fancy, then it'll, yeah. then people will come. Then well, at least we get the idea going. Like, you know, this is where we, uh, this is like all about surf and sun and all that kind of thing. Yeah, sort of a sort of Hawaiian theme. Delicious young bodies, all fit and bronze skinned. That's that's what you think of when you go when you think of Hawaii. No, that's what I think of when I think of surf resorts. Oh yes, yes, me too, absolutely. The locals of uh, Kahiko Kahakai have sort of embraced the the Hawaiian theme, and especially just like you, the Hawaiian food. Like the local businesses there are centered around this this theme of sort of. Hawaiian almost impersonation. Oh, yes. uh, they've got like a like a little sort of strip along the beach of local businesses. Yeah, from leading from Outsmouth to uh, Kahiko Kahakai. Exactly, and as he and as he walks down the down the sort of uh, coastal road to Kahiko Kahakai, uh, he he passes businesses like uh, Mina Your Manners. Yeah, uh, named for the Mina bird, which is not native to Western America. It does not is not flourish there. What, what but kind of bird is it? It's a mimic bird. Oh, so it, okay. You know, it, it impersonates other noises right. that, it, yeah, that yeah. it hears. It's really annoying. It's super loud. Okay. I didn't uh, know that, uh, but those birds require lots of maintenance. I mean, they're particularly little feckers. Likewise, for training porpoises only, yeah, yeah. Uh, is the next business where you can bring your porpoises for training. Oh, yes. I mean, I, I, have you ever had a porpoise that needed training? No, no. I, I mean, I usually sort of leave them to do their thing to do what they do because swim I, I suppose yeah I don't really need them to do anything no I to mean, just be majestic and in nature it's definitely not your t- uh, standard uh, strip with the Starbucks and the uh, where you get your boba tea or a smoothie but right the local people go to choose Jewish mongoose juice for that Chew Chew Mr. Chew Mr. Chew Jewish mongoose juice that's right yes. it's, it's, so is Mr. Chew Jewish or is the mongoose 
Well, it's not even mongoose juice. It's kind of a lure. Oh. Mr. Chu, like, it gets the, gets the curious people inside. Right. And what's in it? Is it made from, from real mongoose? And then they try it and go, oh, oh okay. that's, uh, that's pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, it's a different thing than the local Starbucks and the Subway. You know, the standard, the Pizza Hut. And, you yeah, know, across the, the, the Kinko's. The, the standard list of uh, strip mall uh, shops that you'll find. Yeah, especially, like, the very last one, uh, uh, Monsanto Opala. Okay, yes. Opala being Hawaiian for... I don't know why the Hawaiian theme is taken so yeah. far, but uh, for... Opala is uh, uh, Hawaiian for garbage, right. or at least like it's it's Opala. Opa- you know, it starts with an Okinawa yeah, yeah, with the is like chemical company. I, I guess they're trying to sort of conceal themselves and under the guise of being one of the friendly local Hawaiian themed businesses. But yes. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. Mm. So well. this is the, the sort of strip that Butch Logan passes. Popping in to say hello to some of these business owners yes. on his way to uh, what he hopes will be his new home for the summer. Always make sure to befriend the locals and to make sure that you uh, stay in their good graces. Because, Especially yeah. the ones who make food. Yes, that. And, you know, like get in touch with the local surf crowd. There's always going to be some people who are down, down with yep. the surfing and they, they know where the local good spots are. Like, I think it's in uh, in uh, t- Two Poker Girls, uh, when he when he pops in there. One of the Two Poker Girls there is uh, goes by the name of Shakira. <laughs> yes. And uh, she tells him that uh, the best surf spot is if you go out around. On the other side of the resort, there's uh, like there's the rocky outcropping known as the Butt of Lewis. I think it's the Butte. Butte. Oh, Lewis. okay. And I was wondering about that. It's 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 Louis' beautiful butt. Yes. Well, it's later described as like these two mounds which rise up out, out of the water. Yeah, with a with a sort of glistening cleft between exactly. them. Exactly. It's yeah. like, yeah, nobody's dared go there yet. It's like apparently <laughs> a certain death to any surfer who tries to navigate that crevice. And yet, very tempting to anyone who sees those gleaming mounds. Well, if it's that sort of kind of thing, then yes, exactly. it, it would be very hard to resist. So he arrives at uh, a Proper, and he, like, it is not what he expected. He expected a surfer's paradise with, it as is. you say, uh, uh, bronzed young bodies glistening in the surf fit and excited by the sun's rays yeah, and lots, the sun's warmth. Lots of lounging in the sun, uh, like a bad 70s teenage movie with... Like or a, a great one. Yeah, I mean, all played by 30-year-old actors. And yes, uh, yes, beautiful people basking yes. and playing. At first he's a bit like, okay, oh, I, I bet it's on the other side of this trailer park. Yes, I bet the real fun stuff is on the other side of this rather grim geriatric, like, retirement shanty. Right, and he basically keeps on walking until he gets his view of the butt of, uh, butte of Lewis, sorry, and he doesn't see anything else. I mean, there's a beautiful cove there, and there's a few little shacks on the beach, which he presumes are from the you know, the local surf crowd, I suppose, the people who uh, can't uh, afford to live in the resort and just have right, a little, yeah. uh, little uh, cottage on the beach kind of type thing. Probably, Itinerant surfers. Yeah, probably the surf instructors or whatever, but, uh, yeah, wandering into the trailer park, I mean, it's not really a trailer park, but it kind of has that feel to it, it's got like uh, aluminium siding cabins and uh, yeah, I mean some of them of are literal like tra- at least they were like wheeled houses that were then like planted. Well, here. the wheels were removed and exactly. there's like little skirts around them to make it look nice. And yeah. people have been here a while. Yeah, absolutely. They sort of put down roots and, and put out their pink flamingos to show that they're you know. I've heard that the pink flamingo thing, having that out in your garden, yeah. is sort of like a hanky coat oh. for, yeah, for, it's like a suburban hanky coat for, oh. yeah, the, the number of flamingos that you have and like the direction they point out show what kind of things you're into, like open door policy between 4 and 5 wow. p.m. And, that sounds awfully <laughs> specific. But so was the hanky coat, like, uh-huh. insofar as they're, that was a that was a real thing that was really done and not like... I'm, I'm sure it's, it was one of those things that became real the moment it started getting traction. Or the other way around, where like the uh, everybody started inventing new possible hanky coats. Yes, it did go off the rails at some point. There was like seven or eight, a, a few 
common ones, but then it started going into like very obscure colors. And I'm just like, look, I may be gay, but I don't know the difference between teal and fuchsia. Well, there is a difference, but yeah, that's the difference. I, it's like I, that's not salmon pink, that's row pink. Okay, oh, you know, like when you when you're talking various sexual acts, and it can be make quite a difference. And it's not like there yeah. are subtle differences between those either. So, well, it's like when you're waving your carmine hanky, that's halfway between scarlet and vermilion, so you know what that means, right? Oof. Uh, I know what red means. But. So there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that kind of discreet signaling going on in uh, what turns out is actually the community of Kahiko Kahakai, yes, which is this sort of beachside shanty town occupied by seeming. By olds, by older people. Yes, he wanders over into the what he presumes to be the lobby, I guess, uh, which is one of the few permanent buildings. Like a village square with like a receiving house. It's a, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It's like a visitor center. Evil, evil tongues would say that the roof had collapsed and they decided to now call it a courtyard, but it's <laughs> yeah. it's best definitely open air. And he's like behind the counter. There's a woman by the name of Anchovy who is yeah. eager to welcome fresh young blood into the resort, and he was asking if he, if he'll be staying here. And what kind of uh, room oh, you like? Man. Yes. Oh, lovely! Aren't you just a delightful little uh, <laughs> little morsel, little flounder, I suppose? <laughs> Aren't you hot in that shirt? Wouldn't you like well, to take it off and like, uh, just bask in the wind? Oh, young man! And uh, yeah, he's he's down with a bit of uh, surprise, uh, not a very good one either. Uh, making his way into the community. He gets his room, like, you know, there's running water, but it's coming down the wall, so that's not exactly what he had in mind. But it's still it's still sort of easy living. It uh, is. I it's mean, kind it's of what he... worse. The roaches aren't too big, so it's... And very nutritious and, and really quite tasty. No, I... no, they're really not. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so uh, basically he spends his night there. It's like, there's a little local bar there, which is just Yeah, like... where he meets some of, the, some of the local, the boys, as they're known, oh, yeah? some of the most long-term locals, uh, a set of brothers, by the names of Obadiah, Zebediah, Jeremiah, and Vlad, the four, the four brothers who... Yeah, so they're, they're the geriatric brotherhood of the butte, I suppose. Uh, yeah, the, the dice-playing, hell-raising miscreants and ne'er-do-wells who... Newcomer heckling... Yeah, no, they give him a good ribbing and they'd make fun of him, as is proper. No, I mean, he, he figures that this is all right and there's like he... he shoots back a little bit to make sure he that he gets as good as he gets yeah make he's sure a, that he's like known that he's not something around. to be uh, easily uh, intimidated upon. yeah and that's, yeah. that's the word I was looking for it's a bit of a disappointing first night he was expecting to hear stories about the uh, the surf and the conditions and turns out that none of these old people here do a lot of surfing no surfing is oh I don't mean to be ageist at all but surfing is a, a, a rather a young person's uh, oh, uh, pastime like, old, I've seen some old dudes on surfboards then I take it back completely yeah. I'm looking down the barrel of 40 and realising that ooh all my bits and pieces are not as good as they used to be so True. probably surfing which I've never done is not in my future but, well, hey. I mean, it's one of the things that you're supposed to start early with. But yeah, once you've done it for, if you start as, as a kid and you keep doing it and you just keep doing it, there's no reason why you can't do it when you're 40 or 60. I mean, I've seen people on ski pieces with like old geezers, you know, as long as you just don't fall. And especially when surfing, if you do fall, oh, you right. hit the water. So it's not going to be super bad. Do you get more buoyant as you age or? No, it depends a bit. And generally speaking, I would say no. Because, you know, old people tend to be thin. Yeah, okay. So that wouldn't be particularly buoyant. But, you know, if you have a tether to your uh, surfboard, then you can just pull yourself back to that. Yeah. It's just uh, all and a matter certainly of- these four brothers are full of hot air. Yes, um, good old butch goes on back to his... Butch. Butch. Yeah, butch Logan yeah. and the butt of Lewis. No, I see where this is going. <laughs> 
basically heads back to his little camper and has a little sit-in and a think and oh, I'm just going to make the best of it and he can't c- catch sleep and decides to go make it ways down to the beach check out those huts yeah see what's happening down there right uh, on his way down uh, basically there's a little cliff path which you have to navigate your way down to get to, to the cove and he spots a, a nice little tide pool in the distance and he sees some people there and he makes his way over. Uh, he spots a, the, the secret tide pool, although it kind of escapes me why it was a secret tide pool, if you can see it when you're coming down the, the, the Yeah, down the that's cliff. not very it's, secret. It's like really one of those things, maybe you're not supposed to know how to get there, but he makes his way over there. So he sees uh, the three brothers, sorry, the four brothers, <laughs> heading, heading into the pool, and then slinking out but they look a little bit different when they make their way out of the water and uh, yeah then hit into the then disappear into the ocean yeah a, a, a mystery that catches his attention because they hobble their way into the pool uh, uh limping and shuffling as they do and yep. then they come dancing out stripping naked and and whooping um, and diving into the sea yeah with, with great delight and gone they are and he goes like okay that was weird and uh, especially since the what he saw coming out of the pool didn't quite look like it was going into the pool exactly but he makes his way over and he because the four are still there and he probably saw some other uh, folks who were also there and maybe the surfers that he was hoping to meet and he makes his way to the pool and it's empty and sheds his clothes dips his toe into the water and oh, it's lovely isn't and it? it is lovely and he can oh. sit there and um, just the right blend of like warm and cool yeah you get these little currents which are very nice and there's like a, there's an occasional wave breaks over the edge of the tide pool and, oh that's and, such a nice th- i've actually never been in a tide pool and I would. I, it sounds so delightful. There's little crabs there, though, and other bits it's, and fish, fishies. Well, yeah. are they a problem? Do no, they I don't stay think out so. of your way? No. Right? I mean, if, I guess if they're sea urchins, you have to be careful. But oh yeah, yeah oh yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you you think about tide pools, you forget that's actually the sea still. Oh yeah, yeah. As far as any creature that's in there, it thinks that it's in the sea. I mean, it wasn't quite a tide pool. It was more of a lagoon, which was kind of open to the sea, but also quite protected. And there was like sea turtles swimming around there and oh, other things. Oh, neat. So yes, he soon starts to discover the secret uh, mystery of what's going on here. Because not long after he sat away in there, he is uh, approached by two, well, let's call them creatures. Beings they they, they, they uh, kind of look like half man, half fish. Going by the yes. by the names of Salmon and Gilfunkel. Like Salmon and, 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 and Gilfunkel, they are. I mean, they're fish people, right? They they're, are, yeah. And they ask him what he's doing there, and they claim the authority of uh, uh, the queen of the fish people, the uh, uh, Lady Mermelade. Yes. Under whose, under whose aegis they're investigating why he's helped himself to this secret, sacred, almost, uh, tide pool. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know it was private. Uh, I thought it was part of the resort. And they're like, oh, you're with the resort? He goes, yes, I'm like... I'm staying there, and you go like, "Oh, we didn't know you were a groupie." And then they, yeah. they, they seem to be a lot more friendly. And he's like, "Really weird," because like these, we were talking full, full on guilds and bulging eyes, and oh know, yeah, like actual weird, fish, weird fish people type thing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, after a little while on, you can see the foursome returning, and actually, there's four more of them coming on, like slinking back in the pool. And when they are back in the pool, they turn back into uh, Obadiah, Zebediah, Jeremiah, and Vlad. Yes, the, the four hellions, the four yes. yeah, the septuagenarian hellions. That that we all know and love, uh, who wave a quick hello and goodbye to to the youngin, who are kind of surprised and delighted, I should say, that Butch has uh, uh, has discovered this resource on his own. Uh, over the next few days, he's introduced into the 
into the secrets of the community, so to speak. Basically, it turns out that there is a, like the, the septuagenitarians or doctor genitarians, which are like wandering around here, are a... Septuagenitarians? No, that's right. Septu- They're septu- the, the people with seven genitals, that's right. Not the septu... <laughs> well, not I mean, the septuagenarians, well, the people who are 70 years I, I, older. I, I, I didn't... You're lucky that you already named this episode, otherwise it would have been this. <laughs> I think what they're called is worshippers uh, of the deep ones. I mean, it sounds so sinister that, that these people call themselves that while they're using the, the bizarre transcendental powers of this tide pool to explore other aspects of themselves and, and of the world. Right, but also they have, have the ones who are actually half-breeds and uh, as they grow older, become more and more fish person and less and less... Uh Humanoid. Uh, yeah, requiring the uh, the magic of the tide pool in order to maintain the uh, the appearance. The yes, they have yeah. to re- they have to return to the pool and uh, like spend some time in their uh, into in their deep one form, I believe it's called, and then <laughs> go and return back to the beach and uh, spend the rest of the day there as a uh, as a pensionado. Uh, <laughs> a pensionado. God, you keep coming up with fantastic titles for this episode. <laughs> is pensionado like a regular word? Uh, it is in Dutch. What do you pensionado? You ever heard the term? No, it's, it's like it's generally used for people who like take their pension and then move to Spain or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, Pensionado, why don't you see what you say? <laughs> wow. Yes. No, that's an actual word, pensionado. Well, now I've learned something. Yeah. <laughs> he goes like, okay, this is weird. And uh, he's introduced to that and uh, spend a little bit more time in the town and find out what the locals uh, think of it, who seem to be perfectly aware of this, uh, oh, who, are, yeah. who are more than happy to to conjugate with the uh, with the deep ones if the opportunity arises. And uh, they're a lot of fun. Like Shakira is, is like uh, I think it's intimated that she may be like the granddaughter of yeah, one of she's the one of her in her early days when she's still mostly human. But she's got the sharp teeth, which of course she uh, claims are a uh, thing that she had done at the local tattoo parlor, which yeah. like you know get the teeth filed down a little bit to get the, to. Get with the name. See, now, that's something that you can do, having three extra rows of sharp teeth behind your other teeth. Now, that's that's real commitment to the yes. theme, and I don't know a lot of, like, tattoo parlors that offer that as a service. No, but, that would be, uh, like, serious dental surgery. But her, her girlfriend, uh, 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 Kahealani Lin, she was interesting, because she's an, she is an obviously Hawaiian woman who is yes. so proud of her, uh, uh, like, heritage. Oh, yes. Because she claims to be, like, 3% uh, uh, Floridan on, on her grandmother's side. Yes. And so she is full on like embracing like her her traditional uh, heritage. A Florida woman and she dressed in the in the traditional garb of her ancestors. The pink polyester tracksuit runs the bingo hole, doesn't she? And the uh, and the bunny slippers and she's got a, she's got a sweatband and she makes sure that her hair always looks like it it's been it's been bleached a little over 8 weeks ago. No, it's I a th- very tricky balance. That's the other style. The other one is permanently having hair curlers in. Oh, yes. I mean, the hair curlers are there so that you can show her roots. <laughs> yes. Which is... Uh, and, of course, uh, yeah. chain-smoking, like, like yeah, lighting like one with the other. The, the rest of the book proceeds through... I mean, it becomes almost a pastoral, almost... Oh, what's it called? I recently learned a word, cottage core. Oh? You ever heard of that? No, I haven't. So it's, it's a 2020 word and certainly relates to the great pause of reaching for sort of pastoral, cozy, traditional uh, right. pastimes uh-huh. as, a, as a means of, like, self-care and coping. Right. Like, like making banana bread. Sourdough, baking, yeah. bread-breaking, uh, baking, yes. And sort of like an aesthetic and, and a collection of skills and pastimes to mm-hmm. learn that feel more, like, old-fashioned and Homely, slow. And, yes. yes, yes, sort of like toad-of-toad hall. Slow food turned up uh, to nine or eleven. Yeah, and so he's he's inducted into, into various professions under the tutelage of 
Obadiah, Zebediah, Jeremiah, and Vlad, where he becomes a, a rather proficient uh, banjo slayer. Whatever the fuck that is, I have no idea. I mean, banjos are pretty nasty fish, I suppose. Well, certainly. He, he learns how to how to climb and and gain the fruits of the clockernut tree, which I guess explains some of the imagery on the, on the front oh, cover. Oh, yes, that uh, makes sense. He joins uh, Kahelani Lin in the opening of her unicorn pedicure oh. uh, uh, facility. Isn't that just like a farrier? Yeah, but I guess when you're when you're dealing with a majestic creature like the unicorn, you you sort of want you to want upscale. You want to upscale it a little bit. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like- she is three and a half percent Floridian on oh. her grandmother's side, so yeah, she's she knows no. We, we don't go for farriers. We go for unicorn pedicures. Pedicures, yes. Thus, like. He becomes a, a, a staple of this community. I was sort of reminded of the book The Darling Buds of May. I don't think I've read that one. It's a charming book about a like a, a tax collector from London who who travels out to, to this charming little village and falls in love with this simpler, slower way of life mm. dedicated to just food and family and joy. And in this case deep ones. Uh, yes, he does fall for uh, Lady Mar- Lad her herself, yes. named Mariah. So, uh-huh. suggesting possibly a familiar relationship to uh, uh, Vlad and his and his brothers. Who knows? They're locally known as the Fisherman's Fiends. That's right, yes. And once he, once Butch Logan is inducted into the Fisherman's Fiends, they take him out to the uh, the Butte of Lewis uh-huh. uh, to, to show him the final secret to that the village the has to... Yes, that's right. In order to discover and, and Dine upon the pink starfish yes. in the Oof. in the butt of Lewis. He has to brave the shark teeth of the rifts on his surfboard. Yeah, that's right. And he finally he has found his place on this path unwinding. At which point, unfortunately, like the many protests against Monsanto Opala, have finally had their result, and this chemical factory is shut down. Mm. And may no longer contaminate the local uh, waters. The local waters. Mm. After which, the tide pool kind of stops working. Yeah, and the old ones revert to their state of being mere humans, and everyone realizes that there was actually no transformative powers in that tide pool. It was just a dumping ground ground for loads and loads of LSD. Yeah, this whole town has been high this whole time. It's weird how that goes. It's like, and people just look at each other and go, like, okay, so yeah, good book. Right? It was a journey of self-discovery, the search for the lost pink starfish, which was basically found deep inside the Butte of Lewis. Yeah, when he dove into the butt of Lewis, he found the pink starfish. and got, It was a confusing book, though. It I've was very say. much. Well, it's like, almost like a Spider Robinson book. Oh, well. Deep cut. That's more like cracking. So how are we going to review this one? Ooh, I would say it. What have we got? We've got starfish? Really I mean, good. starfish is five. Yeah, I mean, we, we can like, go uh, like review it out of Hang 10. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, so Howley out of, of Hang 10? I'll give it a 7 out of Hang 10. That's being a review. If you look down at your podcast device in bewilderment, I'm sure, you may have an opportunity to uh, leave some, some little pink starfish of your own or maybe review. We'd also like to hear from you on Cover My Arsecast on Twitter.com, which is kind of close to saying a normal Twitter handle on the podcast. We're also Cover My Arsecast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a suggestion for a book that, that we should review, we would love to hear from you. But in the meantime, what do we have in store for our readers next week? Yes, next week's book is by Lisa Papadimitriou. The Wizard, The Witch, and Two Girls from Jersey. Two poke girls. Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed, but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay, and remember, we only judge a book by its cover. cover. Come on, two, two poke girls. Two, two, two poke girls from Jersey. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. None of it makes sense. I'm so ready for Jersey. Is Jersey near New York? Yeah. Are we thinking about Jersey or New Jersey?